Welcome to Market Matters, our markets podcast on Making Sense, the hub for J.P. Morgan corporate and investment bank podcasts. In this episode of Market Matters, we'll hear from the market data and positioning intelligence teams within our data assets and alpha group. They'll be talking about key macro, micro, and political themes in the context of our high-frequency trading data and proprietary signals from J.P. Morgan's markets business. Hi, I'm Eloise Goulder. I head the Data Assets and Alpha Group here at JP Morgan, which includes our market data and positioning intelligence products. We sit within the prime business at JP Morgan, given our focus on notable trends observed within prime positioning and flows, in addition to other data sources that we analyze. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by John Schlegel, head of our global positioning intelligence team, to really dive deep into equity positioning. John has a huge amount of experience interpreting and showcasing positioning trends across prime hedge fund flows, and also from the retail investor, from CTAs, from ETFs, and from sentiment indicators. John and his team have used all this data to develop our tactical positioning monitor, a toolkit which both Drew Tyler and Krupa Patel have discussed on our prior podcasts. So, John, thank you so much for being with us today. You really have been heavily in demand by our clients and internal colleagues this year, given your focus on positioning. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your most commonly asked question recently has been, are we there yet? i.e. is positioning at rock bottom yet? Yes, exactly. So, John, we'll come to that question soon, but can you start by walking us through your observations on hedge fund flows in particular? I know there has been very different performance and positioning depending on which hedge fund group we look at, i.e. quant versus fundamental equity long short versus macro versus multi-strat. So can you discuss the key differences we've seen year to date? Sure, Eloise. To put year-to-date changes in perspective, I would think of the various strategies along a spectrum. On the one end, we've seen quite large de-risking throughout the year from fundamental equity long short funds, which have struggled the most in terms of performance. When we look at their net leverage, which is a measure of directional market risk, it hit its lowest level in over five years around mid-June. This reflects a drop of about one-third since last November, when it was near five-year highs. Similarly, gross leverage, which is a measure of total market risk, whether long or short, fell to levels near five-year lows in the past two months. In the middle, we have multi-strat funds, which have generally held up okay performance-wise. We see them up about 2% for the first half of 2022. In terms of their flows and positioning, they have not been actively de-risking like the long-short funds, although we did see them let leverage fall in the first quarter of the year as markets sold off. In recent months, we've generally seen these funds add to positions, while they've also degrossed a bit during the recent factor reversals. On the more positive end of the spectrum are equity quant funds. We think that market neutral quant funds could be up mid-single digits in the first half of the year. Additionally, these funds have generally added to gross exposure throughout the year. To put some figures around it, gross leverage for equity quants is around the 40th percentile versus the past five years, but near its highest level over the past two years. And finally, macro funds have generally performed quite well due to the strong trends in a number of asset classes, which have proved fruitful to these strategies. That's great perspective. Thank you, John. And coming to the more near term, June was the worst month for global equities since March 2020, with MSCI World losing almost 9% over that month. So 
have the hedge fund trends that you just described changed at all over recent weeks? That's a great question. While there's been quite a divergence here to date, more recently in late June, all strategies seem to be getting more bearish. In fact, the magnitude of the selling was quite extreme and in line with the largest weeks of selling we've seen since the onset of COVID. However, this comes as hedge fund performance held up okay relative to large equity declines in June, which suggests that the continued bearishness isn't simply due to poor performance of late, but likely reflects continued concerns as recession risks keep rising and many investors believe earnings estimates are too high. Additionally, the selling came mostly from short additions, and a lot of this in single names, which is more indicative of expectations for further downside rather than liquidations or quick hedging. That's fascinating. Thank you, John. So we discussed your point about rising investor bearishness with Drew Tyler last week and the idea that the narrative has moved from inflation concerns to outright growth concerns in recent weeks. So on a related point to that, let's turn to equity factor exposure, because we've seen some huge gyrations recently when inflation concerns were front and center in the early part of this year and bond deals widened in anticipation of a more hawkish Fed. Then the duration and the growth factors and high multiple tech companies really underperformed sharply alongside that rising discount rate, whereas the value factor and energy sectors outperformed. But over the last few weeks, as macro slowdown concerns have dominated, bond yields have come back down and the growth factor has come back into vogue and outperformed. So how have hedge funds reacted to these shifts under the surface? Would you say they are well positioned for a rebound in the duration or the growth factor at this stage? At a high level, there's been a meaningful shift from value to growth year-to-date among hedge funds. To give some perspective, equity quant exposure to value over growth was nearly three times the average of the past five years recently. While among fundamental equity funds, the growth bias, which has been quite persistent for the past decade, has basically disappeared. Net exposure to things like mega cap tech, expensive software, and biotech have all decreased dramatically in the past 6-12 months, but it's notable that recently we are seeing signs of buying in some parts of growth and selling value, even if it seems quite tentative so far. So to answer your question, I would say hedge funds have started to tilt back into growth and duration in recent weeks, which should help them in this environment, but they are not as growth exposed as they were at the start of the year. Additionally, it's worth briefly mentioning what's happening in energy, given the recent reversal for that sector. We saw investors start to turn a bit more cautious on the sector during its run-up in May, and the negativity has persisted since then. If one looks at exposure to energy versus the past few years, it's back to highs, given buying earlier in the year and the outperformance of energy year-to-date. In addition, among sector ETFs, the level of overweight versus the S&P 500 in energy was recently back at 10-year highs. However, from a longer-term context, the absolute level of exposure to energy seems to have room to expand further. That's really helpful, Color. Thank you. So let's move away from hedge fund flows now. I know you also track other investor types too, from the US retail investor to ETF flows to CTA trend following investors. So could you discuss how those groups have positioned too? So have they all been selling this year, similar to the hedge fund selling you've just discussed, for example? For the most part, we've seen either outright selling or less buying of equities across other investors as well as hedge funds. CTA equity positioning has fallen a lot year-to-date and is currently quite low, particularly in U.S. equities where positioning is net short and in the low single-digit percentiles versus their past. 
ETF flows and retail investor flows point to a strong deceleration in buying, even if we haven't seen outright selling persist for prolonged periods of time, although we did see a few periods of outright selling in the second quarter. That said, for both retail and ETF flows, the deceleration could have further to go given how much buying we saw in 2020 and 2021 versus how much has come off so far, i.e. it's not clear we're done yet. Thanks, John. The point you make on retail selling is really interesting because our retail sentiment social media data set also looks quite depressed at the moment with words like short, inflation, recession and Fed coming up quite regularly on social media forums. So, John, putting it all together, where would you say this leaves positioning? Is it now very light versus history? And does that mean that conditions are ripe for a market bounce at this stage? That's an interesting question. And to us, the answer is a bit nuanced. When we look at positioning levels for U.S. equities, they appear to be in line with prior lows for the most part. As you mentioned, we have created a tactical positioning monitor that tracks 11 different positioning or flow metrics across hedge funds, retail, asset managers, and others. From a level perspective, the combined net positioning that's implied by these metrics was nearly in line with the March 2020 low and just above the 4Q18 low. This would suggest that a shift in data or news that steamed more positive could see markets rally off the back of it. However, it's worth noting that the main purpose of our tactical positioning monitor is to monitor the magnitude of recent changes in positioning to determine if there's an interesting near-term signal. From this perspective, despite the fact that June was the worst month for global equities since March of 2020, the one-week and one-month declines in positioning have been less extreme recently, which leaves the signal neutral. Amidst all this negativity, it's worth noting that flows into Asia appear to be improving among hedge funds, which is in line with performance improving. It also follows large selling and underperformance that had already taken place prior to the recent rally. So it's possible this trend persists for a while. Brilliant. So if I attempt to summarize your conclusions, whether or not we get a near-term rally is not clear just yet based on your tactical positioning monitor. However, given how low positioning is in the US, which is something that our research colleagues also point out, if or when there is a positive shift in the market narrative, it could lead to a more meaningful rally. And then furthermore, from a longer term perspective, there's still room for some value sectors like energy to increase, which is also a key JP Morgan research call. But given how light positioning in some pockets of growth are, there's also room for mean reversion there as well. Is that right? Yes, that's a great way to put it. Great. So thank you so much, John, for sharing this really detailed color on positioning with us today. And finally, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you'd like to explore our team content further or indeed get in touch, please take a look at our website at jpmorgan.com slash market dash data dash intelligence. There you'll have the opportunity to send us a message via the contact us form. And with that, we will close. Thank you. If you're enjoying this conversation, you can subscribe to stay on top of the latest industry news and trends. Follow JP Morgan's Making Sense on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views of JP Morgan Chase & Co. and its affiliates. Together, JP Morgan. 
They are not the product of J.P. Morgan's research department and do not constitute a recommendation, advice, or an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or financial instrument. This podcast is intended for institutional and professional investors only and is not intended for retail investor use. It is provided for information purposes only. Reference products and services in this podcast may not be suitable for you and may not be available in all jurisdictions. J.P. Morgan may make markets and trade as principal in securities and other asset classes and financial products that may have been discussed. For additional disclaimers and regulatory disclosures, please visit www.jpmorgan.com forward slash disclosures forward slash sales and trading disclaimer.